So we are, I want to do a, a, a two-part series that we are going to start today, and it's entitled, When the Walls Come Down. When the Walls Come Down. And today, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 5. Next week, we'll jump into Joshua chapter 6. But today's topic, today's subject that I want to share with you that God has put on my heart for you is entitled, The Challenge Before the Promise. The Challenge Before the Promise. Have you ever found yourself in a hopeless situation? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where it seemed like you'll never get out of it? It just seems like a cycle and something that you'll live with and something that you'll constantly face and something that you'll never be able to truly overcome. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where there seems to be absolutely nothing positive. And it's just one bad thing after another bad thing and another bad thing. You know, something that you just think of. And it's as if someone just punched you in the gut and took the wind right out of you. Something that just seems too difficult to even have a hope for tomorrow. Joshua would love to weigh in on this discussion because he can share with us a time, a story of when God stepped in in a dark and difficult time. A time where he was alone with the challenge. As the leader of the people of Israel, he was by himself and faced a dark road ahead. David had his Goliath. Elijah had his Jezebel. John had the Roman Empire. And Joshua had the people of the fortified city that we know as Canaan. It towered over him and over the people like a titan on barren plains that was north of the Dead Sea. Successive walls circled the stone houses. So the, the houses themselves were built with great architectural structure. But not only that, around those houses, there, was, there were walls. The outer wall was seven feet wide and 16 feet high. Imagine that, seven feet wide and 16 feet high. But on top of that wall, as if that weren't enough, there was a second wall that was built. The, this one was eight feet tall. A fortress is what we know this city of Canaan on high ground that guarded, was guarded on the north end and then thick palm trees, eight miles long and three miles wide, were on the south end. They stood as a barrier to the city. Steep hills protected the western wall, high walls protected sides. Joshua and his soldiers had never faced a challenge like this before. They had 
fought battles in the wilderness. They had certainly done that. They always fought on their turf, and it was always on their terms. It was always on an open plain where there was nothing that could be hidden. It was just something that was always visible. But this was unlike anything they faced to this point in their life. Never, ever had they had a fortified city. They had never gone down this road before, and can I tell you, maybe you haven't either. Maybe you have never been through what you're going through this morning and at this stage in life. Maybe you have not experienced or encountered the problem or the difficulty that seems to be coming against you never before. Maybe you're facing a challenge unlike anything it stands over you as this fortified city stood over Joshua. It stands over you like a horizon, and it's just like a towering Jericho that seems to taunt you and seems to look over you and seems to tell you you'll never, ever be able to knock this habit. You'll never be able to shake off this temptation. You'll never be able to just to truly experience all that God has for you. Maybe what you're facing today in your marriage or in your family or in your faith or in your finances seems to just take the wind out of you. And, and it looks, and you look at it, and, and, and analytically, and with the human mind, it seems too difficult to be able to ever get over it. It stands over you, imposing, strong. It consumes your thoughts. It saps your strength. It takes all your strength. And it wakes you up in the middle of the night. And not only that, it keeps you awake. It's an ancient, thick-walled, and impenetrable place. It's the biggest, largest, greatest challenge of your life. It sits between you and a promised land life that God so much wants for you. It stands between you and God's promises for your life. And like Joshua, you're able to see it and you're able to visualize it. And like Joshua, you have to face it. There's no way around it. But also like Joshua, you don't have to face it alone. Can I encourage you this morning? that the God we serve is more than enough. That whatever you're facing, you don't have to face alone. Look what Joshua 5, 13 and 15 says. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked him, are you for us? Or for our enemies, neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied and said this, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so when it comes to heaven and earth communication, God seems to follow one rule, and that is there is no rule. In the case of Abram, three strangers 
came for dinner in the story of Moses. A burning bush left him wide-eyed and barefoot. A talking donkey got the attention of Balaam. A blazing angel guarded the tomb of Jesus. The Bible is known for these types of encounters, but yet no visit, in my opinion, is more mysterious than this one. The man with the upraised sword and confident air. Who was he, you may ask? Who was he? You may think he wasn't an apparition. He wasn't a vision. He wasn't a spirit. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a figment of Joshua's imagination. No, the Bible is true. He wasn't an angel because there is no evidence that says so. So I have to arrive at one conclusion. When Joshua found himself in the darkest moment of his life, and when Joshua found himself before the greatest difficulty that he would ever face, in a moment where he seemed like nothing good could take place, in a moment where he seemed like this is the thing that will take me out. This is the thing that will take me out. And maybe you've thought that to yourself. What you're facing here today is so great that you ask yourself, is this how my story ends? In the middle of the darkness and in the middle of the chaos, I am encouraged with Joshua chapter 5 because right before Joshua has to confront what is before him, the Bible lets us know in verse 13 that he has this encounter. So I have to arrive at this conclusion that God showed up. I have to arrive at the conclusion that God showed up, that what God did in Bethlehem for you and me, he did on the bridge of being there, on the edge of the brink of being in Jericho. He did that same thing for Joshua. God paid Joshua a visit. And can I remind you today that while, you've, while what you face may be great and while what you face may be a dark and looming situation that just seems to tower over you. Can I tell you that God is with his people? God is with us. What takes place here today is so encouraging to me because the commander of the army of the Lord spoke to the commander of the army of Israel. God declared, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. The human eye solely saw two armies on that day. They saw the Israelites and they saw the Canaanites. Actually, when we understand this, there is a third army and, and it's the Lord's army or what we know as God's angels. God's angels. This is the heavenly host that is referred to in Psalms 103. You can write that down. Bless the Lord. Watch what it says. You mighty angels of his who carry out his orders, listening for each of his commands. Yes. Bless the Lord, you armies of his angels who serve him constantly. You can dismiss the notion of angels with shelf on wings and rosy cheeks. No, God's angels are strong. They're strong enough to close the mouths of lions for Daniel in the lion's den. According to the book of Revelations, it will only take one angel to bind Satan and to cast him into the bottomless pit. Just one angel can dispense with the devil. Now, can you imagine what thousands of angels can do? Because this many exists. Hebrews 12 and 22 refer to thousands of angels 
in joyful assembly. When John was given a glimpse of heaven, he saw too many angels to count. He wrote this. He said the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. The Bible lets us know that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Their promise is a promise. Their presence is a promise for his children because all God's children can be sure of God's angels. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that the angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him. Angels are mighty in power and all God's children can be sure of God's angels. They are mighty in power and the Bible lets us know that our Lord... The God whom we serve, the God who we acknowledge in this place, he is the commander of them all. And I ask the question that if angels, if one angel can dispense with the devil, and if angels can shut the mouths of lions, if angels are that powerful, now can you imagine what God can do? Now, can you imagine what God can do? The message to Joshua on this day is unmistakable. Joshua, yes, you're facing something great and you're facing something you've never faced. And, jo and Jericho may have its walls, Joshua, but you have more. You have me. Joshua, you have me. Isn't that the word? Can I ask a question? Isn't that, isn't that the word that Joshua needed? In that time. In that moment, in that season, isn't that the word that he needed? A reminder of God's mighty presence. And could it be that that's what you need today? Could it be that you need the reminder? Could it be that I need the reminder that we need to know that God is near? That what you're facing, you're not facing alone. That what you're walking down that road, you're not walking it alone. We need to know that God is near and that we are never alone. That in our darkest hour, in our deepest questions, the Lord of heaven and earth never leaves us. He never leaves us. Look what David wrote. He said, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. He's always with us. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will preserve your soul. The Lord will preserve your going in and your going out. From this time forth and forever... So I just stopped by this morning to remind you that you will never face a challenge alone. You'll never face a Jericho alone. This is the promise that God gave Joshua on that day. And this is the promise that God gives you and I today. Ephesians 1.22 reminds us that our God, our God, he is in charge of it all. That our God has the final word in everything 
and on everything. Hebrews 1 and verse 2 says that he sustains everything, that he holds everything, that he keeps everything by the mighty power of his command. All authority has been given to him. He only needs to lift a finger and thousands upon thousands of angels will respond to his call. His presence to you and I is part of our inheritance as his children. And he may come as a hospital companion when you find yourself facing a diagnosis that's uncertain. He may come to you as a holy commander or maybe through the word of a scripture or through the kindness of a friend. But there is one thing that is certain that God comes to his people. That God visits his people and you are no exception to this promise. His love includes all people. Are you facing a Jericho level challenge today? Do you face walls that are too high to breach and too thick to be able to crack and destroy? Do you face a diagnosis? Do you face a difficulty? Do you face a defeat that keeps you from just experiencing the peace that surpasses all understanding? Are, are you, what is standing in the way of you and experiencing what God has for you? Can I tell you, if so, I invite you to do what jo Joshua did. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man stood opposite of him. And after Joshua lifted his eyes, he saw God. After Joshua lifted his eyes, he saw God. As long as our eyes are only on the challenge before us, we won't see the greatness of our God. Because we're, we just have tunnel vision and we're focused on what is before us. As long as we just keep focusing on the problem and on the obstacle, we'll never really get to see the greatness of our God. We, won't, we have to do what Joshua did. The Bible says he lifted his eyes. We must look up. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. I will look. I, I'm going through a difficulty, but I'm going to look up. Uh, I'm going through something that's really negative in my life, but I'm going to look up. Uh, yeah, people are talking about me, but I'm going to look up. People are counting me out and saying I'll never survive out of this, but I'm going to look up. I'm not going to focus on what is before me. The doctor may have told me that there is no hope, uh, but the God I serve has the final word. I'm going to look up. Where are you looking at today, Impact City? Are we looking at what is before us? Or are we looking at the God that we serve that is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one that is, the one that was, the one that is to come? I would invite you today that your problem may be great, but I want to tell you your God is greater. Your God is greater still, and your God is greater than whatever is in front of you. Lift up your eyes. Paul and Silas did this in Acts chapter 16. They did not focus on the chains and the shackles. The Bible tells us Paul and Silas got thrown in jail. 
they're in this horrible place. It's not what, what you see on television. It, it is a place where there, there are rats and there's, there's water. And it is a very uncomfortable place, chains, shackles, and they could have easily looked at what was on them. They could have easily looked at what was holding them back. They could have easily looked at what was standing between them and getting out of them. But the Bible doesn't tell us that, that they focused on that. The Bible says that they began to sing. They began to sing and they lifted up their voices. Uh, they didn't focus on that. They, they set their eyes on Jesus. Don't focus on what is before you. You've looked at it long enough. Don't focus on what is before you. You've looked at it long enough. You've analyzed it long enough. You've tried to do it on your own long enough. You've cried about it long enough. You've been depressed about it long enough. You've lost sleep over it long enough. Shift your attention to the commander. Shift your attention to the God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Shift your attention to the God that is more than enough. Shift your attention to the God that holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand. Can, can we do that here today? Can we just look up and see the greatness of our God? Joshua, the Bible tells us that he fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped. I got a great issue that I'm working through, but I'm going to worship. I got a problem, but I'm going to worship. I've never felt the way I'm feeling right now on the inside, but I'm going to worship. Can we make up our minds like Joshua and just worship? He fell on his face and, and he worshiped. He was a five-star general. 40,000 soldiers saluted as he walked by. Two million people acknowledged him and recognized him. But yet in the presence of God, Yet in the presence of God, the Bible says that he fell on his face, he removed his sandals, and he worshiped. He worshiped. He worshiped. He worshiped. He worshiped. We are never so strong or mighty that we do not need to worship. The Bible tells us that the, the Father seeks those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Can I tell you that every single one of us need to worship? Every single one of us. We're never so strong or mighty that we do not need to worship because worshipless people have no power greater than themselves to call on. The worshipless heart faces the, the issue, the challenge, the problem, the dilemma alone. The worshipless heart faces Jericho alone. Can I tell you, don't go to Jericho. Don't go to your problem without going to your commander first. Don't go to the problem without being in his presence. Don't go 
to the problem without spending time in at his feet and saying God I need you I worship you I don't know how this is gonna turn out but I know that you're God and I know that you're good and I know that you're worthy and I know that you're holy and I know that you're mighty and I know that you're incomparable I don't know how it turns out but I know in whom I have believed and he's able he's able I want to tell you what you face is difficult, but he's able. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm done. Let him remind you. Bless the name of the Lord. Let him remind you that he is with you. Let him remind you that he is with you. Let him assure you of his all-encompassing power. That means his power takes care of everything and has everything under his control. He has given you this promise. Hebrews 13 and 5 reminds us that he will never leave us, that he will never fail us, that he will never abandon us. That is the God that we serve. People may fail you, but God never will. Friends may fail you, but God never will. Situations may fail you, but God never will. God never will. Joshua, what are you doing on your, what are you doing on your face? Well, what are you doing? Worshiping, you may ask, shouldn't you be strategizing? Shouldn't you be trying to maneuver? Shouldn't you try to trying to be able to develop a plan to be able to, to go forward and, and, and to be able to conquer what is ahead of you? And maybe that's some of us here today that, that we've tried. You've tried to crunch the numbers. You've tried to work things on your own. You've tried to make the phone calls and send the text messages and write the emails. Some of you may have even tried to send a fax. But, but what I'm telling you today is you've tried on your own, but can I, can I remind you that, that we, are, we are people created to worship and that when we worship, God begins to work. When we worship, God begins, we worship him because of who he is. I don't worship him because of what he can do for me. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What they said was when they threatened to, to, to be able to be thrown in the fiery furnace, that they said, they said, even if we have to go in this situation, they said, the God that we serve, he can get us out of this. But I want you to know, King, that even if he doesn't get me out of this, I'm still not going to bow down and worship your gods. Are there any hallelujah anyhow, people? Are there any hallelujah anyhow, people? That say, God, I'm going to worship you regardless of what it turns out. Jericho may be strong, but your God is stronger. Your challenge, your sleepless nights may be wearing on you, but regardless of what you face, God is still greater than that. So this is, this is how, what I feel in my heart. This is what we're going to do it, right where you're at. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And we're going to worship. We're going to enter a moment of worship. 
You may be facing something great. You may be facing something minor. You may be facing something in between. But I want to tell you, the God that we serve encompasses it all. And we're going to shift our attention right now from the problem to the promise keeper. We're going to shift our attention right now from the worry to the way maker. We're going to shift our attention right now from the trial to the God that is more than enough. So Father, right now in your presence, we worship you. In your own way, in your own manner, I'm gonna invite you right now that you would just begin to worship. Father, what I face is great, but my worship, I choose to worship you because I know that you're greater. I know that whatever is in front of me, whatever lies ahead, seems like it is too great to conquer. Seems like I'll never be able to kick this habit. And it seems like I'll never be able to get over that past event and that failure and that mistake. It seems like I'll never be able to heal from wounds of my past. But, but right now, right now in your presence, there is healing. Right now in your presence, there is power. Right now in your presence, there is restoration right now God we choose to to put our attention on you to lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from we shift our attention to you we worship you we worship you we worship you